Good morning, family. I am Nick, and uh, I'm so glad to meet all of you all. I have the honor and privilege uh, to share with you this morning from God's Word. Before I do that, uh, I just want to thank you uh, for having me this, this weekend. Uh, students, give yourselves a hand. Y'all have been phenomenal this weekend. Thank you. And do me a favor, can you give a round of applause for all of your host homes, co-hosts, leaders, food people, cleanup crew, mission projects, and uh, we, we got to give, we gotta give uh, God some honor and praise for Alan Franz. Thank you, man. Thank you. He goes through a lot, man. Last night, these kids. These students show their appreciation for him in a way that, that, that only students can. And uh, he was a great sport. And, uh, and I want to give honor uh, to the pastor here at Central Pastor. Mark, thank you so much for having me, allowing me to preach. And I'm real excited. I'm real excited because uh, uh, a spiritual father of mine uh, lives in the area, and he came to just hang out, and Pastor Mike Hall and his wife Becky, they're with me. Just want to love you, show you some honor. Thank God. All right, y'all ready to preach? All right, good. I'm, uh, I'm going to preach to you briefly, and by brief I mean y'all know it. Okay, okay. So we're going to be brief. We're going to be brief. Uh, but but our, our assignment this morning is found in Luke chapter 24, Luke 24. Meet me at verse uh, 27, and we're going to read about 17 scriptures. We're going to talk about Jesus, then y'all going to get to go home, okay? Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 27, it says this. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther, but they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned. To Jerusalem, they found the eleven and those with them gathered together who said, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Verse 36, as they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and terrified, and they thought that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled, he asked them, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. 
that it is I myself touch me and see. Because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Verse 49, and look, I'm sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. I'm going to preach. We've been preaching non-negotiables all weekend, and uh, we talked about how uh, you must be saved. We talked last night about how Jesus, how he must increase. And, and we're going to cap off this weekend uh, from, from our time in Luke chapter 24. Uh, and, and I'm just tagging this. You must stay. You must stay. Pray with me and then we're going we're gonna to chop it up and get into it. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. It's my prayer for the next few minutes. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Let your word be clearly communicated. Let Jesus Christ be highly exalted. Let your people be beautifully blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you must stay. <clears throat> I have had the honor of serving for about a decade uh, young adults uh, in, in, in my church and uh, seen a lot come. I've seen a whole lot go. And uh, perhaps you've heard about it as well, students. You've seen it. You've seen uh, some people who you used to see in student group and then you don't see it anymore. The church uh, and, and those that, that study the church, uh, we read about the staggering statistics of students who grow up in church, and when they get out of mom and dad's house, they no longer stay in the church. All throughout this pandemic, I've been hearing a word, uh, and maybe you've heard it too, called deconstruction, and, and, and where, where there are believers, and, and it's, it's happening in a lot of young adults and younger where they're believers that they are they are deconstructing their faith. They are, they are pulling apart their faith. The faith that they were brought up in is not the faith that they embraced. And so they pull apart their faith so much so that they don't stay with Christ and they don't stay in the church and they don't stay in the faith. But I just have a simple encouragement for young adults and students, and I have a simple Encouragement for you all this morning. You must stay. 
You must stay. And every time I, I talk about this and, and I, I look at this, this idea of, of people that walk away from the faith, I, I am always drawn to Luke 24 because this passage, Luke 24 probably, with the exception of the entire book of Romans, is probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and I'll tell you why. It is because uh, as Jesus is resurrected, he starts popping up and showing up to people. And he shows up to two men who were walking away. They were leaving Jerusalem. They were leaving Jerusalem without hope. They were walking away, if, if you will, from, from faith because their hopes were dashed. They were discouraged. They were defeated. They were filled with more questions than certainty. They were filled with, with more doubt than, than, than belief. And they are walking away. And Jesus draws close to them even though they can't recognize him. And what's so powerful about this is when we are tempted to leave, Jesus draws near even when we can't recognize him. And I want to encourage you, you're not going to recognize God all the time in life, but it does not mean that he's not near. He's always close. You may feel like, oh man, I, I just keep praying and I keep praying and I keep praying, but my prayers don't, don't go past the ceiling. And here's the good news, they don't have to go past the ceiling. Because God is closer than you think. And these two men, they're walking with Jesus, and, and their, eyes are kept, their eyes are kept from recognizing Jesus, but Jesus, Jesus stays close with them. And, and here, I want to encourage you, students, you must, you must stay with Jesus. You don't have to leave. You can stay with Jesus with your questions. You can stay with Jesus with your uncertainty. You can stay with Jesus with your conflict. You can stay with Jesus even when Jesus pushes back on you and rubs you the wrong way. You can stay with Jesus. That's what Jesus does in this passage. Jesus begins to talk to these men and they say, Jesus, they, they don't know as Jesus, but they say, hey man, where have you been? Don't you know that a guy named Jesus was crucified and uh, we thought he was going to be the one. We thought he was going to do Everything that would change and transform our life, but, but he, he's dead, and it's been three days, and now, and Jesus, he pushed back, and he says, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus pushed back on them. Now, notice this. When Jesus pushed back on their doubts, they did something, and, and, and this is what I encourage you to do. They did something in this text that let me know that we don't have to leave, we can stay. Number one, they invited Jesus to stay. Look at it. I'm not making it up. It says they came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. Verse 29, but they urged him Stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So Jesus went in 
to stay with them. And if you are going to stay because you must stay, here's what I would encourage you. The first step to staying with Jesus is to invite Jesus to stay with you. Invite Jesus to stay with you. Invite Jesus into your doubt. Invite Jesus into your question. Invite Jesus to stay with you when you're in conflict and when you got a bad attitude and when you don't feel like going to church. Invite Jesus to stay with you. Now, I know the theologians in the room, I hear you. Well, we don't have to invite Jesus anyway. God is omnipresent. You don't have to invite God. And I used to believe that too. I went to seminary, got a little piece of knowledge and thought I knew everything. And, and then I became a parent and I realized something. I realized something. No matter how much power you have, it is always a better experience for everybody involved when you're invited to connect. Let me tell you what I mean. I'm a dad now. And, uh, and I own my house. I can go anywhere I want in my house because guess what? It's my house. And I, I, we have a rule in, in our house, my wife and I, and I, I, say, I say this, I don't argue with nobody that don't help me pay the mortgage. <laughs> so I have the conversations I, I want to have. If, if I don't want to have that conversation, I don't have it because I don't argue with anybody that don't help me pay the mortgage. You should try it. It's, 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 it's fun. I could take the door off my daughter's room. I could do that if I wanted to. And I could barge into her room anytime that I wanted to, if I wanted to. But our experience together is so much better when she invites her dad to stay. And if you're going to stay with Jesus, you, you got to invite him to stay with you. Yeah, invite Jesus to stay. Why? Because your experience with him is going to be so much better when you invite him to stay. Jesus, he loves to be invited to stay. Notice this, it says that Jesus gave the impression like he was going farther. And, 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 and many times, it's not that God is going to leave us or pass us, but God wants to know our desire. Y'all remember, we talked, we talked about this Friday night. Y'all remember that? And I told you the story of how in my house people say, oh man, there's no, there's, there's no food to eat. And what, what they just simply mean is, it's not the food that they like. We have the ingredients for a great meal. And what did I, what, what, what did I say? I, I told my daughter, I said, hey, it's food in the house. You're just not hungry enough to eat it. Well, sometimes it appears like God is going to pass us up, but he's not going to pass us. But what he does want to know is are we hungry enough for his presence to invite us into our situation? And these two men, they said, Jesus, Jesus, stay with us, even though they ain't recognized. Even though they didn't recognize Jesus, there was something in his presence, there was something in his word that still resonated with their heart. And what I want you to understand is this. What I want you to know is this. I, I know people in church might 
not like this, but I want, I want, you're not going to like everything about God all the time. Let's let that land where it lands. You're not. You're not. But just because we don't like certain things about our God, that does not give us the right to leave him. Because notice this. There are things that God does not like about us. (laughs) And he never leaves us or forsakes us. Are y'all with me? And so they invite Jesus to stay. And Jesus reclines. And he starts breaking bread. And then their eyes are open. And they're like, oh, man, we know you. (laughs) It's you. You're, You're alive. And then he disappears. And isn't it just like God, like when you think you got a handle on God, when you think you got him under your thumb, when you think you got him figured out, poof, he not where he used to be anymore. Now, sometimes that is very frustrating. But here's what I believe. I believe that God does this because we must follow Jesus. God does not want us to feel like we have God under our thumb. So, yes, God may not be where he used to be in our lives because we're growing. And notice this. This is what happens in the life of these two men. They get up, and guess what they do? They go back to Jerusalem. They go back to where they were leaving. They go back to the center of faith. They go back to a place where the block was a little hot a few days ago. They go back. They are filled now with the courage that they didn't have before. They are are walking now in a darkness empowered by the light. And that's what the resurrected Jesus gives us in our hearts when we invite him to stay. They go back, and it's so powerful because they go back to the disciples, and and what I love is this, when they get with the other disciples, they start telling each other stories about how they had seen the resurrected Jesus, like like what y'all did this morning, students. They start sharing stories, and it's it's, it's, it's just all good. And then they say, well, we saw Jesus. And then the two guys say, well, we saw him on the way. And then everybody's trading testimonies. And, And then guess what happens when they have fellowship? Jesus shows up. If you're going to stay in the faith, you must invite Jesus to stay with you. But but here's the second step. You must stay in fellowship. Yes? You must stay in fellowship. I'm not talking to y'all. And don't don't think I'm talking to you. I'm talking to somebody that looks like you or somebody that you know. But one of the casualties of COVID is that it has produced a casual attitude regarding the fellowship of the believers. And this generation, your generation, you have access to information in an instant. But isn't it funny how all of the technology hasn't done anything but amplify anxiety? Have you ever thought about that? 
And why is that? That is because God has created us for real fellowship. And hear me, I'm not against technology. I love technology. We, we have online ministry. We have a podcast, Paper Room, Shameless Plug. It's a great podcast. Uh, we have all of that. But, but, but notice this. Jesus shows up in the presence of real connection, real fellowship. Are y'all with me? Screens can communicate content, but I don't think they're very effective at cultivating fellowship. And so students, hear me, stay in fellowship. Because as you get together with other believers, Jesus shows up. Word of God says we're two or more are gathered in his name. There he is in the midst. And I know the, I know the immediate context of that. Jesus is talking about when believers are in conflict and when there, there's turmoil and when there has to be some church discipline. And Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I show up. Now, here's my thing. If God says his presence is going to be there, if Jesus says he's going to show up when there's conflict, how much more can we expect the presence of Jesus when there is genuine fellowship? Jesus said, if I'm going to show up when, when y'all get on each other's nerves, you know I'm going to show up when y'all have testimony, sir. And so students, let me, let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. The church is still the best place to stay in fellowship. Amen. You can take a guitar and you can worship under a bridge. But if it's just you, a guitar, and that bridge, that ain't fellowship. Are you with me? You can have a flash mob in the middle of a Chick-fil-A. And you can go viral on YouTube, and guess what? That still ain't Christian fellowship. It's a great event. It's nice and trendy. But real fellowship, I love it, real fellowship gets into the nitty-gritty of life. How do we know this? Because it's modeled by Jesus. As, as Jesus shows up in their midst, in the middle of testimony service, look at what happens. Jesus says, peace to you. Jesus says, I know y'all a little anxious right now. Let me introduce my peace in this situation. And then Jesus gets real. He notices that they are startled. He notices that they're terrified. He notices that some still have doubts. He notices that many still have questions. And what does Jesus do? He addresses all of these real emotions. He does it in the context of fellowship. Are you with me? 
He does it in the context of fellowship. And then Jesus does something even, even, even deeper. He, he gets vulnerable and he says, here, let me show you my wounds. Let me show you my scars. Let me show you where they pierce my, my hands and pierce my feet and where they, where they pierce me in the side. Let me show you all of this because what I want you to know is this. You can be wounded and still be healed in, as you have fellowship with God. Man, I was so encouraged during y'all share time, students, as, as, as you guys were sharing your fears and sharing your real emotions and, and sharing what, what, what this weekend meant to you. That, my brothers and sisters, that's fellowship. And y'all know we Baptists, so they had to eat. And, and that's fellowship, too. <laughs> Jesus said, give me a piece of fish. That's fellowship. So y'all remember when we talked about on Friday, don't underestimate of doing things in the name of Jesus. Amen. That meal in Jesus' name at a table with your brothers and sisters in the faith, that is real, genuine fellowship. Cultivate that because it's that fellowship that helps us stay when life tells us to leave, when culture tells us to leave when, when our emotions sometimes make us want to leave. Real fellowship, I can tell you right now that I am where I am today because of God working through the hearts of men in my church who provided real fellowship for me. And then when I was in college and I had the opportunity to do everything that I was big and bad enough to do, I didn't do it, not because I'm so great and not because I didn't have the opportunity, but I knew that Jesus was in me because of the Jesus in those men that they poured into me. I knew I had real fellowship. I knew I was connected to people more than just myself. When I wanted to be stupid and act dumb, I heard the deacon that poured into my life. I heard his voice in my head. I saw the mother that prayed for me and prayed for my mom. I saw her face in my vision. And I'm telling you, that real fellowship, guess what? It helped me stay. And so Jesus, he does this. He he says, stay in fellowship, but, but then Jesus does something else which is so powerful and what I want to encourage all of you students. If you're going to stay in the faith, if you're going to stay with Jesus, you must stay in the Scriptures. You must stay in the Scriptures. Notice one of the first things that the resurrected Jesus does. First things that the resurrected Jesus does. He shows up to people and then he starts having Bible study. Notice that. Why? Because the word of God is alive. Jesus, the son of God, he is the living word. And the written word comes to life when we give our hearts to the living word. The written word comes to life when we give our hearts to the living word. And Jesus, as he is resurrected, he says, Let's, guess what? I'm going to take y'all to Bible study. Students, if you're going to stay in the faith, stay in the scriptures. 
This Bible is not a reference book. This Bible is not irrelevant. This Bible is not an ancient relic. This Bible is the Word of God, and this Bible is the sword of the Spirit. And when you get in times of temptation, when you get disheartened, what I love about the Word of God is this. God don't need a a new word to do a new thing. I love it because God still makes fresh bread with old recipes. Isn't that good? He does it. Have, have you ever been there where, where your mind was cloudy, where your heart was heavy, where, where you were dealing with tension and, and, and you went back to the old word. You went back to Psalm 23 and you said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You went back to that old word and God gave you a fresh perspective on it, gave you new energy. That's the power of God. So stay in the scriptures. I I talk to young adults, and and sometimes, you know, you hear young adults, and I love them. I love the questions. I enjoy it. And people are like, well, why do we need to worry about the Bible? Abraham didn't have the Bible, and Moses didn't have the Bible, but they still had a thriving relationship with God. And and, and David didn't have the Bible. They still had a thriving relationship with God. And, and you know, I just tell them up front, well, y- you ain't Abraham. <laughs> and you ain't Mo. And you ain't David. Another thing, Abraham didn't have YouTube and phones with the internet on it. <laughs> and Moses... They didn't have the endless access to information at an instant. So yes, they they may have cultivated a relationship with God, but just think, them jokers had to walk everywhere. You got to walk everywhere, you're going to pray a little bit more than somebody that can just Uber, right? (laughs) Why is that important? Here's why it's important, because oftentimes we like to make, we like to make unnecessary comparisons. Yes, those men didn't have the scriptures and they had a relationship with God. But here's the thing, here's the thing. Our resurrected Savior felt like the scriptures were so important that he did not just want to give his followers an experience without anchoring that experience in Scripture. Are you with me? And if Jesus looks at his disciples and says, hey, guys, let's do a quick Bible study so that I can tell you why it went down, how it went down. Let me do a quick Bible study so that you can see that I'm all throughout this thing. Let's do a quick Bible study so that you can see that Jesus, that I am on every page. This book is not irrelevant, but it is the very word of God and it is living and active. So if you're going to stay in the faith, stay in the scriptures. Well, I don't know what to read. Start with the Gospels. Well, I get bored of reading, Pastor Nick. Well, guess what? 
Don't read it. Have James Earl Jones read it to you. <laughs> Some of y'all don't know about that, but there's an app now that Snoop Dogg can read the Bible to you. I mean, like you can, it's options. <laughs> it's options. It's options. What are you saying, Pastor Nick? I'm saying this. That this generation, there is no reason why we should not be saturated in the scriptures. Overflowing with the word of God as we, as we walk in this life. That's, that's, what, that's what Jesus did. He, he did it to the two. He did it to the two. It says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he, he explained to them. All the things concerning himself. And now we see it. Now we see it. Jesus walks the the group again through a Bible study using this very old book. And and here's why when I preach, I don't like to play games with students. I know y'all got stories. I know y'all. I like to preach this book. You want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. It ain't. I'm going to tell you why. I preach the scriptures because the scriptures are true. I I have a desire. I always want to be truthful. I do. But sometimes I get get in my own flesh. I get in my own mind. I might say something that, you know, I might say something that go left sometimes. That's why I stick to this because I ain't got to make nothing up. Amen. I stick with the scriptures because my preaching is not powerful because of me. My preaching is powerful because the spirit empowers his word. Amen. And so stay in the scriptures. It gets gooder, though, because as Jesus talks to them, and I'm just saying, can you imagine a Bible study led by Jesus? That's epic, man. I mean, I know, I know Pastor Allen is great, but can you imagine if Jesus led the Bible study? Yeah. It's so much gooder. And this is why whenever I preach a sermon and people are like, oh, pastor, that was a great sermon. I just say thank you and praise God. I don't lie and say, oh, man, that was all God. I don't do that because if it was all God, the sermon would have been a million times better. <laughs> I just say thank you and keep it moving. But, but Jesus, Jesus does something, and, and I love it because he talks, he talks to him and then he says, He says, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that from the scriptures, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead. Jesus says, there can be no Savior who did not suffer. Scriptures don't teach that. There is no crossless Christ. Scriptures don't teach that. And because there is no crossless Christ, I can't live a crossless life. We talked about that last night, students, right? Deny yourself, take up your cross. 
Now, remember, we talked about it because the cross killed Jesus so that the cross doesn't kill us, right? But as we carry our cross, it actually unlocks the life of Christ in us. That's so powerful. Jesus says the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And then Jesus says this. He says, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations. That means this, that the sins that separate us from God don't have the final say if salvation is available and possible in Christ Jesus. We can actually repent and turn from our sins. See, Jesus, it's good to stay with Jesus. Because when we stay with Jesus, we have the power to repent and turn from our sins. And, and, and notice this, this is not just good for people in Round Rock. He says this is good news for all nations. Jesus is preaching, man. And then he says this, you are witnesses of these things. He says I want you to know that you are witnesses. You will be my representative of all of these things that the ministry that I have, I'm now giving it to you. But he says something. Look at the verse 49. He says, and look, I'm sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. So if you're going to stay in the faith, you got to invite Jesus to stay with you. You got to stay in fellowship got to stay in the scriptures. But lastly, you got to stay in the power. You got to stay in the power. Jesus, he tells his disciples, stay in Jerusalem. I don't want y'all leaving Jerusalem. Now, if, if there's anywhere where you don't want to be at this time, it's probably in Jerusalem where they're discovering that the grave that they put Jesus in he ain't in it no more. And when they come knocking on doors wanting to know who got the body, they're going to start knocking on doors in Jerusalem. What does that mean? That means this, that Jesus told his disciples to stay and probably one of the highest pressure areas at the time. He ain't telling them to retreat. He told them to stay. But notice why he tells them to stay. He told them to stay because he was going to send them to power. And this is good news right here. Because it is so easy to want to leave the faith when the temperature gets hot. But I want us to understand the good news is this. God leaves us in hot places, and he equips us with the power to stay in them. Okay, y'all don't believe me. Let me get a witness from this old book. There are three Hebrew boys that are thrown in a hot pressure situation, and what does God do? God does not take them out of it. He empowers them to be in it, and he shows up with them there. They stay. Are y'all with me? And as they stayed, God showed up. And so what I want y'all to understand, students, stay in the power. Because there is no power when you leave the faith. There is no power when you leave Jesus. You may get popularity when you leave, but you ain't going to have no power. Are you with me? 
I would encourage you, don't pick a college because it's in the power five. Because if you won't walk with Jesus in a power five school, you ain't going to have no power. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if, if we didn't pick colleges because of the degrees they offered, but we picked colleges because, because of the church in that area? And the reason why I picked this school is because I know I'm going to follow Jesus in this city. I don't know. I ain't trying to get in your business, but I'm just saying. If you already committed somewhere, I don't know what you signed. But I am encouraging you to stay in the power. Don't just go to a school because it's your dream school and, and while you're at your dream school, life becomes a nightmare. I've seen it often. I've seen it a lot. Stay in the power. Because here's the good thing about the power. Here's the good thing about the power. Jesus testifies about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of everything about Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to live how God wants us to live. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to walk in this life. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to stay as the Holy Spirit seals us until the day of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you. I'm closing my Bible so you know I'm telling the truth. That's my Sunday school lesson. Don't leave. Stay. When culture wavers, don't leave. Stay. When persecution ramps up, don't leave. Stay. When you're mocked and ridiculed, for your faith, and it is deemed as being antiquated and unintelligent and ignorant. Don't leave. Stay. Y'all remember what we, what we asked on Friday night? Do you want to be safe or do you want to be free? Y'all remember that? We talked about how salvation is not primarily about safety, but it is about freedom. Y'all remember that? I'm just going to say this, when, when you feel like you are unsafe, don't leave God, stay. Because we have a Savior. We have a Savior who stayed. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he is facing the cross, and not only is he facing the cross, but he's facing the cup. And the cup of the Father's wrath, the cup of momentary separation from God, the cup filled with the sins of the whole world, your sins, my sins. When he faces the cross and the cup, Jesus didn't leave, but he stayed. And I'm so glad that he stayed. On the cross, he doesn't leave the cross, but he stays. And they place him in a bald tomb, and he stays there for three days. But there's one place he couldn't stay. He couldn't stay in the grave for too long because had he stayed in the grave too long, he would not be able to stay in our hearts forever. 
And so Jesus left the grave. He rose again, not with some power, not with most power, but with all power in his hands. He rose again so that he can stay with us forever. And now the scripture says that Jesus left the grave so that he can give us the power to stay with him forever. We're seated in heavenly places. We're going to get to stay there. I want to encourage you that salvation is available in Christ Jesus. Salvation is a necessity for humanity. And today can be that day of salvation for you. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head, close your eyes. I want to invite you As you prepare to trust Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today confessing that I need you. I'm lost. I need to be found. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Say, I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I believe that God, he rose again from the dead. And today, by faith, I trust Jesus with my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. My life is yours forever. Amen.